Good morning, um, everyone, and I pray that everyone's doing well this morning. Um, we are continuing. We are continuing um, in the Book of Acts. Um, last week, um, we uh, started um, in the Book of Acts and looked at the um, the author, the author and, and um, date of the Book of Acts, and also we looked at um, some terminology that needed to be clarified um, because of the fact that a lot of the literature that we are um, reading today um, use terms that we um, just have a, um, a was it ideological um, understanding of the, just we heard it throughout the years. And so this is the, the definition that we, that we, um, that we heard or, or whatnot. So, um, so now, let me make sure that, yeah, I hit record, okay. So now um, we're coming to some clarity of some things and trying to put things in perspective um, when we are reading um, this type of literature. So are there any questions or concerns or anything that um, you want to um, talk about real quick before we hop back into the lesson? You good? All right, cool, cool. Um, I hope that you all um, got a chance to look at the, the test just to see um, how, you all are, um, how much you all know. Um, so uh, I pray that it wasn't a difficult test. Um, and so- uh, A lot of trick questions, ma'am. She said I wasn't no trick questions. I said, now wait a minute. Let me stand up and take this test. I was, was all, all sitting down. Questions. <laughs> the questions were fairly simple. It was no. not, they were not trick questions. I don't even know which two I missed. I said what? Yeah, it's on my end. So I see what you all missed and all that stuff. So I'm uh, waiting for, you know, those who still want to take the that test. <laughs> Say that. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't taken it yet. Together, like. Yeah, your what? answers were too close together. Oh, the answer was too close together. <laughs> That's what made it tricky. I'm like, you know, why are you going to have 55 and then 52 and 53? I mean, or something like that. That's you just know, a, like Jesus's ministry was real close. Like it was yeah, like, exactly. I, I and his birth. That's the one I changed up. Like, oh. I'm talking about it because people haven't taken it yet. Oh, my bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <didn't> take it. <laughs> I haven't even taken it yet, but I took it a little bit with Tammy. She was Bye. reading the questions to me, and I'm like, what? Bye, Elder Tracy. You don't care. Talk to us <laughs> after you take it. <laughs> Look, I tried. I signed up last night, but then I got caught up in this password reset loop. And so, you know, if you can uh, figure out your password, let me know. I can go in and, and reset it uh, for oh. you. Cool. <laughs> Lord. But uh, for those who uh, still want to take the test, you can. Um, next week, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk the test over. <laughs> um, it was fairly simple. Yes, the, the answers were close uh to each other so that's why you have to really take notes and you have powerpoints and things of that sort uh to make sure that you're on you're on task or whatever so <laughs> so um so yeah all right um anything else let me let me think uh the test um i think that's pretty much it um I got uh, a few submittals for the uh, Synoptic Gospel, so I'm thank thankful for those who submitted their, their homework. Um, and so probably not next week, but probably the week after, there'll be another assignment, just one more assignment um, about the epistles or whatnot. So that'll be coming up soon. All right, cool beans. All right, let's go ahead and hop in here. Let's just review a little bit here um, from, from last week to make sure that we have an understanding of um, what was um, taught. We won't uh, spend a lot of time on the beginning slide since we already kind of went through it or whatnot. Um, but I just want to see what you all know or remember. Um, so it's not a quiz, it's not a pop quiz, it's just a review. 
<laughs> to see uh, what you all know, okay? So of course, we're looking at the authorship, the basic purpose, and the summary of the book of Acts. So we're not going deep into details in the book of Acts. Uh, we're just giving you an overview. So when you do go and read the book of Acts, you are um, using this framework uh, when looking at the book of Acts, okay? All right, so... Um, Let's see here, the book of Acts, of course, is the new covenant proclaimed. Um, sometimes you'll hear the, the book called the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, a new one that I've heard is the Acts of Our Risen Lord. Um, and so you'll hear um, various titles of the, the, book of, the book of Acts, but it's, it's, a re- it's a record of the birth of the early days of the church. Um, as the only book of the uh, on, only book of history in the New Testament, the value of being sensitive to transitional nature of this book is paramount. So we talked about um, the fact that it is a history book, and when it comes to the genre of history, you do not get your instructions um, from history book, but it, it gives you a record of the things that occurred. And so one of the mistakes that we've made. Um, in our, in our days is that a lot of denominations, their foundation is built on a lot of these Acts scriptures and they, they're not sensitive to the fact that the, um, the church is transitioning. And so some of the things that we see, especially in the beginning books, uh, beginning chapters of the book of Acts, we don't see anymore uh, when it comes to the epistles because they're transitioning. And so, um, how long is the period of transitioning for, for the church? Was it 40? 40 years, 40 years transition. So it started in what year? I think that was a test question, I think. Yeah, it's either 33 20. or something like that. Yeah, about 30, 33, and, okay. um, and the transition ended in what year? Must be 73 since we uh, just said 40 years. So yeah, 30 is, you can say 30 to 33, um, and uh, the- AD the, 70. Yeah, AD 70 is when the transition is over, and what key event occurred that kind of confirmed it? The destruction of the temple. Uh, the destruction of the temple. That's t- my question. Every time you say it, I'm going to be on it. You better be <laughs> on it. So the destruction. And you better unmute before me. <laughs> I got to stop because I got to take these notes and I keep stopping. So I'm done for the day. Uh, you said your answer for the day. <laughs> Okay. And so um, because of this transitional nature, the Jews were um, were uh, coming out of their old customs and old traditions, things of that sort, and trying to transition into the church. And so the uh, one thing that is important for us to, to understand is Jewish customs and, and the Jewish law and things of that sort, because um, we see a lot of that still being in play in Acts. When you read um, the book of Acts and even through the epistles, they are still observing um, Jewish customs. They're still, they still um, go to the temple, okay? And so those are the things that we, we have to keep in mind that they are transitioning. It wasn't just a hard cut stop of the old covenant. Now we're not going to the temple or whatnot. It was a trans. It was a transition. So God gave them um, a time period of forty years to get that all out their system. And once the, the temple was destroyed in seventy A.D., that was a sign that the old covenant is officially, officially over. Okay. And so when we're looking at the Book of Acts, here are some transitional indicators that we must keep in mind. Of course, we talked about old covenants and new covenant. Okay, uh, from from law to grace. We talked about um, Old Testament scriptures to no new written scriptures. And so therefore, they're still using Old Testament scriptures to inform them. They're getting, um, they're getting illumination from the Old Testament. And at the same time, they are getting revelation for the new scriptures. Okay, so it's a lot of things, revelation and inspiration going on. So it's a lot of elements that are being in play um, during, during this transitional period. 
Um, so those are things we got to keep in mind because about 20 of our books is written during the, uh, the transitional period. So we have to really be sensitive to that when we're trying to uh, interpret scripture. Um, next one is God's focus on the Jews to the church as the people of God. So the Jews are not exclusively God's people anymore. Um, it's now being open to other, um, other race, um, other people instead of the, the Jews. Okay. So God used the Jews first and that was his plan of salvation. Um, he used the Jews to release his salvation, uh, release his plan. And so now it's, uh, we're seeing his plan, um, being in play and being an effect of, um, engrafting the people into, um, the new covenant. And do you all remember how long it took for the Gentiles to come on the scene? Or yeah, what chapter? Say that again. No, go ahead. Um, or what chapter did the Gentiles come on the scene as uh, being saved? It was sometime around the Jerusalem Council that they were officially um, welcomed in, but they started coming in on the scene a little bit before that because Paul yeah. was teaching 20 them. years? Was it 20 years? Almost. 15, about 15, 20 years. So yeah, about 15 years um, it took for um, the, the Gentiles to be on the scene. Yes, Tracy, yes. Um, at the Jerusalem Council, it was like, okay, they are, they're welcome in. And what, uh, since we brought up the Jerusalem Council, the bonus question, what, what was one of the decisions made at Jerusalem Council? Was that where they were saying they would need to be circumcised? Right, right, yeah. And so, um, so now they, they don't um, have to be circumcised in order to be a part of the church uh, because the older, the old tradition um, that, that God gave them in the book of um, Exodus is that any outsiders um, who wanted to um, become part of the you know, Israel body, that they had to be circumcised. So they just took that principle and decided, well, this is the same here for the church or whatnot. And um, God had to give uh, Paul revelation about the fact that, no, they don't have to be circumcised. The work is already done. They can just, you know, as long as they believe in the finished work and if they're called before the foundation of the world, then they can come in to the church. And so that was the decision that was made at the Jerusalem Council. Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, and the last one is presumption of discipleship, meaning that they already had a nature, already had a culture of discipleship. They met every day. They taught every day. Uh, so they knew scriptures. Scriptures were, was their kind of K through 12. And so they had a, a, a vast knowledge of scripture. But the problem was their interpretation was a little off. So that's what Jesus had to deal with the, uh, the religious leaders about. They knew the law. They knew scriptures, but their but their uh, what I just say their uh, interpretation of of the uh, scriptures and of the law was kind of off, and so Jesus had to tell them um, the the proper um, interpretation of of the scriptures. Okay, good. Any questions about these four transitional indicators? So these uh, transitional indicators, we have to keep in mind when reading not just Acts, but any, any book in the New Testament, um, because like I said, about 20 of the 27 books are in the transitional period. So therefore, we have to keep this in mind, okay? And we'll see it be in play. I'll probably call it out, you know, during teachings to show you, you know, this this because of this phenomenon here, um, it's because of no new scriptures. That's why they were they were receiving um, a lot of revelation. Uh, this is why prophecy was very heavy during this time because of the fact that they did they did not have um, New Testament scripture. Okay, so there was a lot of things that that happened, um, and one and it fits into one of these transitional indicators. Okay, all right, cool beans. All right, so last. We, we kind of talked about um, 
this right here, I didn't really explain this well, so let me make sure I explain this well. So this is seven periods of the church history, okay? So the period that we are looking at is the apostolic period, number one. We just got done looking at the Gospels. We talked about the intertestamental period. We're going to go into the Old Testament after the New Testament. So right now we are looking at the apostolic period. And the period that we are in in 2021 is the postmodern period. We are over here. Okay. So there is a lot of events, a lot of things that took place between the apostolic and the postmodern period that we really don't have a lot of knowledge of. And it really influenced our, our belief system today. Many of us believe that, oh, we're following um, to the T of the, what they did in the apostolic period. And no, we are, we're really not. When you look at the structure of today's church, it's not really following the traditions of the apostolic period. Um, and so a lot of um, events that occurred through this time influence uh, what we believe right now in the postmodern period. And there's going to be a class of church history where they're able to learn about what happened through these periods because there's going to be a lot of light bulb moments like, oh my gosh, we've been doing that for years. We're going to hear that a lot <laughs> during this whole program. We've been doing this for years and now I know where it came from. Okay, so. Where where does the, hopefully, I'm, oh, there it is. No, I see it now. I was looking for the enlightenment period. Oh, yeah, the alignment period is more of the, I guess, the Reformation, Reformation and modern. And then yeah, uh -huh. yep, the alignment period. I learned yep. a lot about that in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait till we get to that because that's when people really started questioning the Bible. Yeah. Or they didn't have a right to question the Bible um, in the medieval um, early Reformation time. They didn't have, they didn't have the, the right to. Uh, because the interpretation of scriptures was controlled by the Catholic Church, by the church. And so um, if you had any thoughts that that were uh, that goes against what they believed, you will you, they will stone you. They will kill you. You know, they will uh, excommunicate you out of the church, you know. And so, yeah, that alignment is, is, is pretty interesting. So the, the yep. good thing out of that. And if I'm perceiving this right from what I'm gathering, the good thing out of that was a lot of science began to prove our belief system as well. Yep, 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 <clears throat> yep. yep, that is true. Yep, yep. All right, cool. Questions? Um, and then once um, in this chart here, you see the seven churches that are mentioned in uh, Revelation. So each church period lines up um, with the churches in the book of Revelation. And when you read the characteristics of each church, it lines up with what, with what happened in, in the church period. It's crazy. And so uh, just uh, Jesus, he, he uh, gave the word to, to John. He prophesied the word to John. And... Um, when you read, when you read about the, the various churches, and then when you study the period of time that is kind of lines up, it, it, it's very, very similar here. And remember, um, when we were talking about the book of Daniel, and his dream, the 70 weeks dream, and there was a week that Daniel, um, that, that God did not tell Daniel what it was about. He asked about uh, when would my people receive restoration? And God did not reveal that to him because um, the last week, the sick week, like um, right now, currently we are in the 69th week of Daniel's dream. 2021, we are in the 69th week. But Daniel did not have any revelation concerning the church age because it didn't pertain to his people. And so, um, so right now we are in. Daniel's dream is still in effect, and we are in the 69th week of the 70th week. And see here, we are in the seventh period. And after the seventh period, let me go. Oops. After the seven, where is that chart? I just had it. Um, let me go here. Uh, 
I know I have it in my, oh, here it is. Okay. Um, so this is a zoomed out picture. So here's the seventh, seventh week right here. And after the seventh week is rapture and then tribulation. So all Daniel had, he had um, revelation about um, about what happened after 586. He had revelation about the gospel. And he had revelation about the, the consummation kingdom, but he did not have revelation about the church. He didn't have revelation about that. We had revelation about tribulation, but he didn't have revelation concerning the church age here. So this is a zoomed out, okay, picture of um, the chart here. Um, so this is a zoom in. So this is the seven or whatever. And then here, um, this the, the next chart that is in your PowerPoint, this is a zoomed in of section one here, apostolic. This is a zoomed in of um, period one, since this is the period that we are looking at here, okay? Um, the first period here, the red section, this is when Peter was on the scene doing his missionary work. Um, someone raised their hand. Go ahead. I, um, I did. Um, I, for some reason, thought that Christ's birth was around the 70th week or something. I thought, because I thought that that's why people were waiting because they had reached the end of the period of Daniel's um, uh, prophecy in his dream, or am I thinking about another dream? Nope, you're right. The, 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 the 69th week started at Christ's birth. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, and it's because that's the beginning, kind of the beginning of the, you know, the church age kind of starting or whatever. And so uh, actually, let me take that back. It's the end of the 68th going into the 69th week. There we go. Yeah. So it's the end of the 68th going into the 69th week. And so, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's what, it, that's what it is. Cause I was about that. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I was about to ask how long we've been in the 69th week. My God. Yeah. Week. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So week is seven days. So that's why they have seven periods or whatever. So yeah, Dave the Lord's a thousand years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. Any other questions? I, 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 you probably said this. I'm just writing it down. Ooh, I'm like our overseer says now, these 69 weeks, um, they, they merge into what? Uh, Hundred, two thousand years. I mean, what right. nine weeks help me there? I'm not a uh, historian, so you got to help me on this one. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So let me see here, um, because I had that in my previous notes. Let me see here. Let me pull up the description of the uh, the sixty nine weeks. So I remember talking about that in what classes? It was either the Gospels. Or probably the introduction to Christ. Oh, you can bring it back at the next class once you put it together. I'm just saying, I'm yeah. listening 69th week, 70th week, the 68th yeah. week, and I'm like, where, 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 where are we in time? Is it 50,000 right. years away? Oh, oh, yeah. So I'll pull that out uh, so that we can so we can understand what that yeah. means. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to catch you off guard, but I know you got it. But to help yeah. me to understand when I'm reading and uh, praying and seeing things spiritually i just need to know how these years are what the weeks and days add up to right correct correct yeah so uh maybe next week i'll uh, pull pull that chart back out uh so that we can kind of walk through it again um i know that in our new testament book it talks about i believe it talks about the 70th week in, in the book of uh, daniel uh, the new testament survey and also in the gospels it talks about um, the gospel book, um, it the four, that's what's called. Um, it, it talks about the 70th week too. So okay, um, I'll spend some time there going backwards myself to okay. research that as well. Because I right. do remember it, it says that something about could be a thousand years where we look at days are not days as it is with God. Right. One day could be a thousand years. I got yeah. you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> 
God's uh, timeline is totally different from ours. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I'll definitely uh, bring that back up. Uh, maybe we'll revisit real quick uh, so that we're all on, on, on the same page and understanding the flow. So, because we kind of started when we, when we did a study of the intertestamental period, I believe Wayman started with the, the kind of the end of the reformation um, period when they were um, restoration, I'm sorry, restoration period when they were coming out of Babylon. And remember Daniel was given that dream throughout that time. And he saw them going through uh, being under captivity under four nations. Remember Babylon, Persia, uh, yeah, Babylon, Persia, Greek, and Rome. So they're right now, they're under the fourth control. And actually they're still under the fourth control. Um, maybe not the political Rome, but the religious Rome still runs, is still heavy um, in the world. The biggest religion is, is Christianity. And under Christianity is Protestant and Catholicism. And these two, these are the two biggest religions um, in the world. And so they're technically still under Roman rule. And so that's why I see like, well, how long is this 69 week? Yeah, it's, it's pretty long or whatever. So, uh, so that's kind of how things kind of play in. So I'm, I want to make sure um, next week that we kind of paint the pictures so you guys can be, uh, so you know, you understand the timeline and we, we understand where we are, where we're studying and where we are currently. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. So uh, any other questions? All right, cool beans. Right. Think about them days when God created the heavens and the earth, Lord. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and then I won't that I won't mess you up. So <laughs> stop right there. Um, okay, so yeah, let's continue with this chart here. Um, we're looking uh, here. The red section here is when Peter was on the scene doing his missionary work um, when he was uh, doing ministry in Samaria. Um, and then it picks up this blue section here is Paul's work here um, when he missionary journey to various churches, three, three um, legs of missionary journeys, uh, uh, four, sorry, of missionary journeys uh, that took place. And um, here is the tail end of, uh, of this transitional period uh, where John, he, uh, his writings came into play. Uh, the book of Revelation, John 1, 2, and 3, and he wrote the gospel of John 2 during this time, okay? So definitely, um, you know, just study this chart and um, I'll be calling out dates and stuff so you kind of have an idea of where I'm talking about. Dates are very important. Chronology is very important when looking at scripture. Um, so we're going to definitely have time to practice that throughout our teachings, okay? All right, so we talked about the authorship. Uh, we talked um, about the internal and external evidence of Luke being the, um, being the author. Um, he was writing to Theophilus. Um, so what, I don't know if I mentioned it. I probably did. What were the two views of who, or who or what Theophilus was or is? He was either a generic. A group of people. Mm -hmm. A group of people, yeah. That Or he was a real person. Or Those the most excellent Theophilus is, is one person. Right. Right. And what does um, Theophilus mean? Uh, uh, shoot, what is it like? Lover of God. Lover of God, yeah. I thought it was lovers of God. That's what yeah, made love, Yeah, lovers of God. So that's why they thought um, it was a group. Um, Tracy, get your hand off the mute button. <laughs> I told you you're going to have to race me. <laughs> I saw a chat come forth, but I can't see it anymore. I think Trish, did you have a question? I was just sending um, another question that can, I'll send it to you later. Okay, okay. We moved on. Yeah, I'll send no. it. No, wait, we're still here? <laughs> well, it was, it was about the uh, thousand years. Uh -huh. And um, I was just uh, asking if you can 
uh, tell us where did uh, that one day is like a thousand years come from as well and why it was determined a thousand years by the Lord. Just oh, uh, I think I think David mentioned in one of his Psalms for the day with the Lord is a thousand years. So, so that, why did he determine, how did he come to that conclusion that it was a thousand years? So that's right. what I was kind that's of. Right. That, that was revelation from God right there. Okay. So it was given from God. Okay. Yeah, but I'll um I'll make sure to bring that out too next too when okay. we talk Daniel. So yeah. Okay. All right. Um let's see Theophilus. Okay. Yep. So um yep, so those are the two the two um theories about Theophilus. Theophilus was actually a person um that funded his uh that funded Luke's trip to get an orderly account of this Messiah. And another one is that they thought that Theophilus meant lovers of God. So it was a group group of um, Greeks who were interested in learning about this Messiah, okay? Uh, we kind of looked at his missionary journey on where, um, where Paul would have uh, met Luke. And here is here in Troas, because uh, we talked about the we the we sections of Acts uh, that the book that the book talks about it talks about the we section and all of a sudden the the letter is shifts voice so now it's not talking about they um, did this or they went there now it's saying we went this um, thank you Psalms ninety yep um, uh, that's for you Trish uh, Psalm ninety for a thousand years um, um, and so. Um, yeah, so they believe that um, Luke, of course, wasn't with Paul for the whole um, for the whole letter, and so um, he was getting his account, his orderly account, from somebody, and then uh, eventually he, uh, Paul and Luke met up here in Troas, and then from there Luke began to uh, uh, accompany uh, Paul on his missionary journey. Okay. So that that's the uh, the theory that they have here um, due to the the fact that the voice shifts in the letter. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, the place and date. Um, let me see here. Knowing the place of date and when the when and where the book of Acts was written is a whole different story. Uh, while the evidence is still internal, there's nevertheless weaker. Uh, since we're relatively familiar with Luke's whereabouts from the time he joined Paul and given the context of the closing of the book, we can safely infer that the book was written shortly after Paul's um, imprisonment in Rome. So they believe that the book of Acts was written in about 1662 AD. That's when um, Paul was in prison or on house arrest um, in Rome. Okay. Um, we talked also... Um, if you want to get information concerning the churches that he found, uh, if you want to understand the background information of that church, um, you will look in the book of Acts. But the book of Acts will always be your foundational anchor when it comes to uh, the epistles. And so, um, as you see here, um, the chapters, um, the chapters here line up with the epistles. And so if you want to know background information concerning that, you would just go to these chapters here, okay? If you're doing a study, okay? We talked about that. And here is a clear chart of um, at, of uh, Paul's uh, missionary journeys, uh, the year and the order of, of um, his um, journeys. So, because in our Bible, um, the epistles are not um, in the book by when he went on the journeys, the epistles are uh, in the book of how much information is in each each uh, epistle. Okay, so from the greatest information to the to the least. Okay, that's how we got it in our Bible. Okay, so um, so here this is a better idea of um, Paul's missionary journey, and then when you begin to read it in this format, you will see. Paul's theology began to, to shape and begin to change and things of that sort, because at first he was reaching only to the Jews. That was, that's, that's what he did. And then once the Jews rejected him, then he went on to the Gentiles. Okay. Whereas with Peter, when he was on his missionary journeys, he went to the Jews. And then when they rejected him, he just found some more Jews. 
And so that's why um, Peter had to have that whole revelation about the clean and unclean and Acts, what was it, Acts 10 uh, with Cornelius and things of that sort. He had to have that revelation about it and say, no, don't reject my people, you know? And so, um, and so there, that's how kind of Peter kind of slowly but surely <laughs> began to accept uh, the Gentiles, okay? But for a long time, he did not. He did not. All right. So I think, uh, let's see here. The purpose and basic outline, the book of Acts. Uh, so this is widely accepted to be the second volume of the two-part writing of Luke. It's clearly written to express purpose to give an accurate and orderly account. So you know, that's um, Luke's theme. Um, he gives that in Luke 1 and 1. Okay. Um, and so this is when we're, we kind of, let's see here. Okay. Acts one and one, uh, one through three, we see his purpose as well to give an orderly, give, give an orderly account, talking about the many convincing proof appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things containing to the kingdom. And so this is kind of his, um, his statement here about, uh, you know, what's going on here. Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay, this is the, the chart that I, um, ooh, I can't remember in my notes, why did I put that one? Because it flowed, um, it'll come to me when I, when I think about it. But this is when we um, started talking about the word Christian and Christianity. And we looked at the four views, the four views of church and Christianity. And remember that um, many people believe that Christianity started when Jesus was born. They, they believe that was the start of Christianity and start of the church. Um, the second view is that they believe that the church and Christianity started on the day of Pentecost. The third view is that um, the church started on the day of Pentecost and Christianity did not start until they were called Christians at Antioch in Acts 11. And then the fourth view is that the church started on the day of Pentecost and is separate from Christianity and Christianity started in 312 by Roman, uh, by the Roman, Roman emperor Constantine, who was a pagan. <laughs> So um, it's definitely worth uh, researching. We're going to be learning more about this um, to really kind of shape your conviction and things of that sort. So that's why I'm presenting every view. I'm not just giving you my conviction. I'm giving you every view out there so that the Holy Spirit can do his, do his work and um, give you a conviction or whatnot. So any questions so far concerning this chart? What's Ray? your conviction? I ain't telling until uh, <laughs> I'm going to pre uh, present everything to y'all and we're going to have the Holy Spirit do that, do that work, that work that he do. So, <laughs> but you'll hear it. You probably, I probably don't tell y'all, y'all, y'all will hear it in my teaching or <laughs> whatnot. All right. <laughs> good try. Good try. No, just <laughs> so, um, and so, um, the people, um, they they thought, you know, that Jesus came to start this this new religion, and he did not. He did not actually. He said it in his scriptures, like I I did not come to start a religion. I came to fulfill the law, and that's exactly what I'm doing. In Matthew five seventeen through eighteen, he he uh, came to fulfill the law. Um, every every dot, every tittle of the law, I came to fulfill. I didn't come to start no religion. The only religion that God started was what religion? Is, will we say Judaism? Say it again. Will we say Judaism? Judaism. Yeah, same. What? what? <laughs> that is the only religion <laughs> that God started and he ended. He ended it. <laughs> Because it was not supposed to be permanent. It was not permanent at all. Okay. And so uh, he did this so that, that so that people will know his original intent. Because remember, he gave his revelation to the world and they twisted it. Uh, what book was that? Was that in Ephesians? Romans. Romans. In the book of in the book of Romans, he gave his revelation uh, to the world and they twisted it. 
So therefore he had to raise up a people to show them how it was supposed to look like. Okay, so that's how we got all these various religions and they're kind of similar. When you begin to study a lot of their customs and things of that sort, they're very similar to Judaism and it makes you question. But the thing is, God was trying to give his revelation to the world, but they twisted it and they did all types of stuff to it. And so God had to raise up this, this body, um, these, this, it, these Israelites to show them how it was supposed to be. Okay. All right. Um, I wanted to say something else. I don't remember now. Um, okay. So, uh, we talked about the word Christianity and that, um, we don't find the word Christianity in the Bible. Um, but you'll find the word Christian in the Bible and we find it three times in the Bible. We're going to go through those. That's where we stopped at. Um, and so Christianity, um, uh, was started in 312 AD and the word did not really, uh, was used until the 13th century. Okay, and the word Christendom was used in the ninth century. So the question is, so why do commentators and scholars insert the word uh, in our in our scripture that occurred in the first century? Okay, yeah, so say, all that say all that again. Oh Lord, uh, <laughs> you will Christian Bible three times. Let me help you. <laughs> the word Christianity is not in the Bible, but you'll find the word Christian. Okay. And Christianity and Christian are totally different. They mean something totally different when you do um, a word study. They don't mean what we think it means. Okay. It's totally different. Um, but the word Christianity was used, start, started being used in the 13th century. And the word Christendom was used in the 9th century. So the question is, why, why would you insert this word, um, scholars, a lot of scholars and commentators, why would they insert that word in the first century um, in which that word was not used at all? Okay. And so uh, we're going to, let's look, this, this is where I kind of left off at of, of looking at um, three times the word was mentioned um, in scriptures. So I talked about the definition of, the Christ, of Christian. Um, this word you will find, uh, this definition you will find on BibleStudyTools.com. I just lifted it right from there. Okay. So the name given by the Greeks and Romans. So it was given by outsiders, okay? Probably in a reproach um, to the followers of Jesus. It was first used in Antioch, okay? The name by which the disciples were known among themselves were brethren, the faithful, elect saints and believers. But as distinguishing them from the multitude without, the name Christian came into use and was uh, universally accepted. The name occurs but three times in the New Testament. And so they were called by outsiders, Christians. And this was the first time that they were called Christians, okay? So before they would use the word brethren, elect, saying this is what, this is what they call one another. But when an outsider was calling them, they called them Christian. Remember, this word existed before Jesus was even born, okay? This was during the height of the Messiah under the fourth um, rule, rulership of Rome. They figured, okay, Daniel's dream, um, they said, we'll be under captivity under four nations. This is number four. The Messiah must come. And so, therefore, they were looking for this leader, looking uh, for uh, this person to come and save them. Um, even Rome had an expectation of a ruler coming in to save them. And that's how Herod came on the scene because they persuaded him that he was going to be the Messiah. And those who followed Herod were called Herodians. Okay. And the, those who followed, uh, who believed in these uh, messiahs that kept coming up and jumping up on the scene, those people were called Christians. The word for Messiah is Christ, the anointed one. So those who were following, following up all these um, messiahs that was coming up on the scene, there's about 20 of them. They, call, they thought they were crazy. They, they thought they were nuts and they called them Christians. So about the time they got into Antioch, Antioch, um, this is where they um, came uh, uh, witnessing to Gentiles. And so therefore they called them Christians. <laughs> So that's where it came from. They followed this Messiah, this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. So that's where it came from. Okay. So let's look at the, the, the one that I was telling you about. Let's hop here to um, Acts 11. 
It says, um, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch and for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable um, numbers of people and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So that's the background story of it, that they were, they were called by the Gentiles uh, Christians. This is, this is where it happened. Before that time, they were not called Christians. They were just followers of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth or followers of the way. Here they were called Christians. And it did, and as you, as you realize, when you read Luke's letter, Luke did not continue to use this term Christian in his letters. Paul didn't use this term in his letters as well. So that even gives us another clue that this, this term was not accepted among the people of God, okay? The next one that we see, Herod Agrippa, he uses the term, of course, an outsider, a non-believer, replied to Paul, in a short time, you're going to persuade me to make a Christian of myself. And Paul said, I would wish to God that even in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day, would I become such as I myself am, except for these chains. And so Agrippa uh, was like, well, I'm, I'm almost persuaded to be a Christian. And Paul, in his response, he didn't even use the word Christian. He didn't even want to utter the word Christian or whatnot. So this is here, this is an outsider calling um, the people who Paul, you know, lead and, and things of that sort, a Christian, okay? Paul didn't, he didn't even respond because he said, I wish that, uh, he could have said, I wish to God that even in a short time that you become like me, um, a Christian, except for these chains, but he did not. He said, yeah, he didn't use the word at all. And the last one that we see is 1 Peter 4 and 16. Uh, Peter uses the word. He said, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his name. So when you read it, you'd be like, well, it looks like Peter is leaning towards the word Christian. You have to understand the historical background during this time. This time here, they were being persecuted by Nero. And Nero was killing, killing folks because um, Nero, he started a fire, but he blamed it on the Christians. And so therefore they were being persecuted. And so if you uh, were caught following these messiahs, of course they called you a Christian. And Paul and Peter is saying, look, if anybody calls you a Christian, just go ahead and accept it and, be, and glorify God in that thing. I'm being called, I'm being persecuted, I'm being called all types of names, but you know what? I'm gonna still glorify God. So that's, that's kind of what Peter was, uh, was saying in the scripture here. If they're gonna call you a Christian, just, just, just accept it and in that glorify God. And so, so he wasn't accepting the fact that they were being called a Christian as their new identity. But since people, um, the Romans, they didn't know who was what. They didn't know if you were a follower of Jesus, a follower of Thetis, a follower of uh, Simeon. They didn't know. And so therefore, um, they just called you a Christian. And so therefore, he was like, you know, just, just, just accept it. Don't be ashamed. Just accept it and, and glorify God in that, in the, in the midst of your persecution. Because we've been called names in, the, in we've been called names today. They've called you different all types of names, Bible Thumper, whatever. He said, whatever name you are called, just accept it and glorify God in that. Continue to do what it is that you've been called to do. Because many people uh, who are called Christians, they, um, in order for them not to be killed, they rejected Jesus. <laughs> so what, I mean, what does that say? He said, you know, even in your persecution, just continue to glorify God, continue to stand on what you know is true. Okay. Any questions about these three? Uh, passages. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's very clear uh, because when Peter say he is not to be ashamed, it's, it's uh, uh, signals that the, the term was used in such a disgusting way or the demeaning way. Uh, yeah. uh, and even though that being said, this is what 
they're going to call us, be it as is made, but glory, be glorified to God in this name because it glorifies the Father, which takes me back when Paul was, uh, the, the scripture before this, when Paul was having this discussion with that individual, it seemed like to me in his writing that this person was kind of being sarcastic about mm-hmm. being, if I be called a Christian, like he was just really being sarcastic. And so that, you know, to me, that has um, honed in that, yeah, that this was not a, a term that was used uh, to to be used to to be called as, but what uh, was the term used in a, a very uh, negative and demeaning way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says that it was an external thing, not an internal thing. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing we got to keep in mind. Yep. Outsiders calling them yep, those names. Yep. So... Cool. Um, let's do this. Call me a Bible thumper, a holy roller. I don't care. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm gonna walk in it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so in the final analysis, there's no doubt in my mind that at some point early in church history, between the second and third century, the word Christian became an acceptable identification for those who belong to Jesus Christ. That church tradition has remained with us even until this day. But I also know that many, many things have been done to hurt and undermine the cause of Jesus Christ throughout the centuries of in the name of Christians. So when you look at the history of, of Christians and history of Christianity and all the killing they've done and all the craziness they did it in the name of Jesus, this is not foreign. This happened last month at the this last month plasma to the capital they they brought they swore up and down they heard from god to to yeah. take the capital doesn't that sound familiar the same incident happened in in the bible um uh with the with okay hold on with the zealots uh so that's why um roman w- were trying to persecute uh the 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 jews because the zealots they were they looked for their messiah and fighting they said this 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 uh, Messiah that's going to come, he's going to um, hold a holy war, and so they thought, you know, since now, dang, it ain't no Messiah. They went through all these messiahs. He was like, you know what? Just like as as God, he was with he was with them when they crossed the river, uh, when they got to the river. Uh, just as God was with them when they marched around the walls, they said, if we if we kind of evoke it, if we if we push it, then God will be with us just like he was with the Israelites when they came up in all those battles. And so the zealots started a holy war. They started this war because they thought if we trigger this war, then the Messiah is going to come. If we take over the, the capital of Rome, if we uh, proclaim the land to be ours and then the Messiah will come. Just like uh, last month, they, they take taking over the capital because this land belongs to us. The God is telling us to come, take back the land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Any questions before I finish up here? <laughs> All right. All right. Cool beans. So the basic outline of, let's get back to Acts. <laughs> The basic outline of, of, of Acts here, if you, let me go down in my notes here. Da, 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 da. All right, um, let's go to page, I believe it's um, 141 um, in your book. We'll do this section here and then we'll end because I know it's 1030, so. Uh, just wanted to make sure that I went over that. Um, let's see. Um, I keep forgetting my book is a little different. The purpose, the basic outline, the theme. As look, okay. So yeah, under special there it is special considerations. Um, as Luke wrote in the book of Acts, there were certain truths that he apparently assumed his readers fully understood. Several scriptures summarize these important background truths. Matthew 16 and 18 records Christ's prophecy of the coming church. The church um, will be built and will be victorious over Satan. 
Acts will record the beginning and the, and the building of this new entity um, known as the church. In Matthew 12, uh, 38 to 40, Christ told the religious leaders that um, only one more sign would be given to Israel, his resurrection. The death and resurrection of Christ is the background and the basis of the book of Acts. So in, where is that scripture? Uh, here it is. Um, in Matthew 12, 38 to 40, it says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered to them, he said, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to, to it but the sign of Jonah and the prophet. For just as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay. As he when Jesus said that about um the they crave signs, um I crave for signs. That's why um, God, he gave um, a lot of signs and miracles and things of that sort so that they will believe, okay? Um, in the script, in the book here, it talks about signs and miracles. And um, one of the reasons that signs were given to, to confirm the person, um, the reason why people uh, perform miracles, it was to confirm that person that they were sent by God. Um, and it was um, and it was done for the Jews. Remember, the church was about 99 percent Jews when all these miracles was, were going on, when the building of the church was happening. But then when the Gentiles came on the scene, we see in Scripture that using signs and miracles to confirm that they were sent by God begin to diminish. OK, so that's what I mean by transitional nature. You'll see one point where um, a certain element like signs and uh, heavy on prophecy and things of that sort was, was so strong, but then you begin to see it kind of die off, kind of diminish because of the transitional nature, okay? And so um, the book kind of explains, kind of explains that. So definitely um, read the section on signs and miracles in Acts. Um, on page 142, uh, when you are interpreting Acts, um, go to, let's say, page that, 142. And it says, when Christ died and rose again, the new covenant was instituted, okay? That we talked about the new covenant being instituted for the Jews, okay? The outworking of the new covenant began in full force on the day of Pentecost. So now we're coming into the new covenant proclaimed, okay? When the Holy Spirit came to, came in his fullness and the church began, okay? So um, it's, it's, it's important to understand on the day of Pentecost, we were not there. As Gentiles, we were not there. This is a strictly Jewish situation. They've been celebrating Pentecost for the last 1500 years. God tells them, he told them uh, in the book of Leviticus that they need to meet in Jerusalem three times a year. And one of the times is the Pentecost. OK, so they were just doing what they usually do, just meeting in Pentecost. But they had no idea that this Pentecost was about, was about to shift and about to change the trajectory uh, of time. And so um, and it says here in the back of the book, it says the old covenant with all those laws and regulations was set aside while a sharp line of distinction can be drawn between the end of the old and the beginning of the new, it must be remembered that it takes time for such a change to take place in human experience. Hence the transition, period of transition, okay? Um, it Acts is the book that records this transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Not one of our transitional indicators, uh, transitioning from old covenant to new covenant, okay? Uh, Acts records the decline of the old system and the rise of the new, okay? When interpreting Acts, it's important to remember this. It is essential to note who the individuals is that uh, that is being described and how much they knew, okay? Um, and so, yeah, definitely continue reading. Um, if you have any um, questions or any, anything of that sort, you can definitely reach out. Um, any, I heard somebody unmute. They might have a question or anything. We're good. Okay. Um, and so, um, 
yeah. And so, yeah, definitely uh, continue to read on, uh, read about the signs and the miracles, uh, about the, the reasoning of it, and then read the sum. The summary is really, really good. Um, that helps you to understand what the book of Acts was about, okay? Uh, like I said, the book of Acts is a history book. It gives you a record or an account of how the church started. We get our instructions from the epistles, okay? And like I said earlier, um, that a lot of denominations, they make this mistake by lifting, um, by lifting principles and, and, and scriptures from the book of Acts um, that weren't meant for them. <laughs> and so we have to really be careful with that, okay? Um, any questions or any concerns? Comments? Observations? <laughs> All right, cool beans. All right, so um, like I said, continue to read. If you haven't taken the test, please do so. Don't be afraid. It's just uh, <laughs> to let you know where you are. Um, and so, yeah. All right. We're good. Praise the Lord. All right, cool. Let me pray out and then we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep it moving. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you are God and God alone. I thank you, oh God, for um, illuminating your word to us, Father, that we can have a, a clearer and better understanding of your word, Father, and that you, um, provide layer upon layer upon layer of understanding, Father, um, to the point where we can get the mind of Christ, oh God, and that we could uh, obtain the unity amongst one another, Father, um, unity in our faith, Father, that we're all on the same page and have an understanding of the original intent of the word, Father. We thank you, oh God, that this word instructs us this word um, helps us. This word um, is alive. This word is active. This word is still in effect, oh God. It is not an ancient document. It is not um, something of old, Father, but it's still, it is still alive and it's still in play and it's still instructing us, oh Father. So God, we thank you and we lift you up. I bless those who are studying and I pray, oh God, that the, that the Holy Spirit, he will come in and begin to illuminate um, the word um, to them, Father, that they can have um, an understanding of what it is that they need to know, Father. So, God, I honor you and I bless you and I give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good class. Good class. So, definitely, uh, you could begin reading um, that first section of the epistles, okay? All right. Have a good day, everybody. Bless you guys. Have a good one. See you soon. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.